The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guest, Christy Dames. Christy Dames is a co-founder and partner at Tech Talk Studio. She has been on a personal journey of health discovery that has intersected with the autism arena. And today, Christy will share her observations about autism families and what children with autism can tell us, as well as her insights into public health. Welcome, Christy. Hi, Terry. Thanks so much for having me today. Thanks for being with us. Can you tell us something of your own personal health-related journey leading up to when it converged with autism? Yes. Um, you know, my own, my own health journey really started uh, right at birth, actually really right before, and I was to be a twin, but just a singleton was born. So um, at birth, then, I had a, a, a neck trauma. I had the cord around my neck. And that pretty much set in motion a whole process of things that were going to really go wrong. And I had been very sick as a child and a lot of head traumas. So that really set me up to have physical challenges right from the get-go, as well as really really a lot of what I call soul challenges that, that really wouldn't be revealed till later on. So that, that was the start of my journey, and really at that point, as a small child even, I knew that I was going to kind of have to run this show on my own, and that um, since I had, was born into a family much later, my parents were 45 when they had me, uh, their children had already grown, same parents, but, but it was, uh, I was almost like a grandchild. So I had a very different upbringing, and uh, along with those different traumas that happened um, along the way, lots of illness, lots of strep, throat as a child, all of those things set in motion. Um, that would really set me up for some, some serious troubles later on. Um, so that's pretty much how it started. I, I never was on the autism spectrum, but I had tick-related um, items that started to appear for me as a small child, somewhere around the about 9, 10, 11, and that then changed up my game again considerably because then neurologically um, my challenge would, challenges would start um, at the age of about 9, 10, 11. So, um, so those problems as they kind of, I talk about them coupling and combining uh, set me up for later on when I'd be about 17 or 18 and really things starting to kind of go downhill from there. 
my connection to autism really came much later as I went through the healing journey. But, but that was kind of the setup for how I started to get sick and, uh, and then what would really be a lifelong journey for me in having to reverse, and, and reverse everything out, go back in time, and to be able to see, wow, what happened to me? What were the causes? What were the conditions that got set forth? What were the combinations of things that played on each other that, that caused the confusion actually much later on when I finally hit a road of recovery? What were those combinations of things that had to be unpacked so that I could see them and, uh, and be able to sort out this very complex, very confusing and, uh, and challenging set of, of pieces that I had? Yeah, in the autism community, I think a lot of people call it layers. And you've touched upon a couple of areas, Christy, that are also talked about uh, in the autism arena. Of course, uh, a lot of parents saw their children regress and feel that vaccines had something to do with it. But, two, I think chiropractors would agree with you that something like birth trauma can set up people for a later vaccine injury, or there would be people, professionals, who said that birth trauma in itself uh, could be a causative factor in autism. Um, and you mentioned something, uh, you know, the cord wrapped around your neck and such, uh, birthing injury, birthing brain injuries uh, to some children. You've also mentioned strep, and we hear a lot about that as associated with ticks. Uh, with PANDAS, pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcus. Now, I've just thrown a lot at you, so what are your thoughts on those things? <laughs> well, the, I, the, the trauma part at birth, I believe, was really, really key. In fact, in fact I go back to in utero when, when I had lost this twin. There were two heartbeats at one point, and then there was just one heartbeat. Well, then later on, I came upon a whole, a whole syndrome called vanishing twin uh, syndrome. And when I found that world and what happens to people when they lose a twin in utero, it, it, was, it was amazing to me because almost all of my symptoms, all the stressors that I had in life, all the challenges on, on every level were right there. I could see myself right there in the loss of the twin literally always going and looking for that other person that somehow should have been here with me. Who were they? What, what was that about? So in my family, it was really uh, a lot. It was a myth almost. But my parents spoke about it all the time as if it was reality. And it wasn't until I went back years later and could, could discover that, wow, yes, indeed. When that happens, something else is going on here. And I could see the the emotional and psychological impact that something like that has. At birth then, what was really, really challenging was that the, the cord was wrapped around my neck one time. So, so when I knew as I, as I figured out later on what happens with oxygen, what happens to the brain. Um, but then at birth, I was whisked away for 24 hours immediately from my mother. So I never saw her, touched her smelt her, nothing. There was no, no connection with my mother. Oh. That, that broken connection at that point, I think, was really a critical turning point. 
Um, and then, as you, as you mentioned, like vaccines, for years, when I was, as that would fast forward for me, at the age of about three, I was hospitalized with a, um, a collapsed lung, and they, um, they went in to open up that lung. I had a super high fever. And I remember when I really landed uh, on that vaccine issue and vaccine damage, I went back and got all the records I could find. And, and I, I just was so sure that there's a vaccine injury there. And I, I can't find it. I can't point to it. I don't have perfect records. But, but in reality, I, I can't think of anything else that could have happened around then that would have caused things to go so, so badly at that point. So I, I don't have that factual information, but I think my belief is still that something around a vaccine caused some, some sort of response and, at that time. So uh, in all the times I've been doing the show, I've never had anybody talk about vanishing twin syndrome, and this is really intriguing. So let's explore various possibilities from what you just mentioned, Christy. You know, again, getting back to the chiropractors, um, a birthing injury could be something that, and I apologize if I'm misquoting any chiropractors, a birthing injury could be something that um, affects the immune system adversely and sets you up for a predisposition to a vaccine injury. Or maybe there was something going on immunologically neonatally that caused the, you know, your twin to pass. So mm-hmm. is it something physiological or um, did you have, do you think you had neonatal uh, a crisis in consciousness, um, phys- uh, psychological trauma, even as a neonate or prenatally? And then you also mentioned radical attachment disorder. You alluded to that. You were whisked away from your mother. You didn't get to touch her at all for 24 hours. What I've read of radical attachment disorder is usually it would be longer than that, but um, it certainly does not sound like a good thing that the baby's not placed on the mother immediately and gets to bond with the mom. So we've got lots of different things going on here. Yes. We have, we have so many different things that are going on all at that very early time. It's, it's interesting because the, the chiropractic pathway wasn't one that I went down in very often in my healing journey. And as I look back, you know, it's, for me, it's when one, when one door opens, um, another one closes. And the other part is that, is that I always talk about when I'm speaking with people, when that window opens of opportunity, like go through it, go through it, let it draw you through. And, and I recently had that happen for me. Um, I had spoken, and there, actually there's two parts to this. I had spoken at a Lyme-induced autism conference a, a few years ago. And when I spoke about my journey and my relationship to autistic children because of my journey and, and looking just so similar to them all the way, I mean, we just walk, we walk the same path, but, but I had a different outcome along the way from being older than them and, and having uh, some different things happen. But, but one of the things I spoke about at the Leah conference was, was about this vanishing twin. And I had a mother come up to me, it was like the next day, and she, she was kind of circum, circumambulating me, not really wanting to approach, but kind of sort of walking up to me. 
And then by the time she arrived in my sphere, as we were in the exhibit room, she just had tears pouring down her face. And she looked at me. She said, do you really, really think that there's something connected to the vanishing twin and, and what has happened to my son? And she said, I have tried everything to recover him, and he's a non-responder. What, do you think there's something here? And I asked her about her experience around vanishing twins. She said, well, I actually know that I had a twin. And I, and I lost, I, there were twins, I lost that twin, we knew it, and, and then the second baby survived, was born. Um, but part of what happened was she had been told by family members, and specifically her sister said, and, and in a loving way to try to help her be connected to her new child, but was that don't worry about the twin that you had, that's okay, it doesn't matter, you don't really need to deal with that or grieve it, you've got this baby here. So she literally stuffed that emotion and that feeling. And, and years ago I had done some work with family constellation work, and what I really understood by looking at the whole system was that the whole system is affected by anything that happens. When, when there's a child that's lost wherever they are, whether it's way back in an ancestry or right here, right now, there's an impact. So I, I spoke to her more about my experience, and I just looked in her face, and there was something about that moment for her of complete understanding that this could help that, that changed her. And I, I have not um, heard from her again since that time, but wow, just the, the sheer relief that she had by knowing that she could actually work with something that, that had been denied for her was huge. The piece as I moved forward years later on the, on the spine and the, what happens in chiropractic, I, I had a woman who also had heard me speak at that conference, connected me uh, through somebody else in Canada. She called around some dental issues, and we were talking about surgeries and things like that. And she said to me, she said, well, she said, your C1 is in, right? And I said, my what? She said, your C1, your atlas. And I said, what's that? Well, she, she, she explained to me that C1 is this two ounces of bone that the atlas is two ounces of bone that sits on top of the vertebra right at your brain stem. He said, well, if that's off, then you're going to have a problem with oxygen and blood flow into the brain. So I contacted a man, this beautiful man, Roy Sweat, in Atlanta, Georgia. He's like 85 years old now. He developed a method to deal with putting that atlas right back where it needs to go. Well, sure enough, I followed that pathway. My atlas was off. It was measured correctly. They put it back on, and literally, I, I was high as a kite. <laughs> like, I had oxygen for the first time, I believe, to my brain since birth. Yeah, so, I've, I've heard of good work with the atlas. There's also a Dr. Marshall Dick Holtz out in Chicagoland, and he's also 80-something years old, so I encourage people to, to get right on what Christy and I are saying here with this because uh, these guys ain't getting any younger. And with that, we will go to break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, and we'll be right back with Christy Dames. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Christy Dames, who is a co-founder and partner at Tech Talk Studios, who's had a very complex uh, personal health journey that we've been talking about and touching upon a lot of really fascinating issues. Well, you know, Christy, you pretty much described yourself as your own Mother, and uh, it's really interesting to hear you talk about yourself as an MD, a mother determined, as so many moms in the autism world are. What do you think about the parents of children on the spectrum? I I love the parents of children on the spectrum, and in fact, it wasn't until I connected with the parents that I could see myself that I could see the person who was so determined that as the, as the Thinking Moms Revolution like to say, if you go to bed at night with a medical text and you roll over in bed and you're, you know, and you're just engulfed in that text, and that's how I've been for, for all these years. And I could see myself and I connected with these moms. And, and the power that lives in the parents of autistic children, I... I just, I haven't been able to see that anywhere else. There's something that's happening here with these parents and very much with these mothers who, who they become, how they rise into this moment um, and move through a process that is going to be challenging at best and, uh, and, and all the parts of, of the spectrum that they have to go through to understand and deal with what they're, what they're now faced with, which was not the plan ever when they get married and they're happy and they have this child and, and this is the beginning of something incredible and wonderful. So, so it, it mirrored my own experience so much. And my mother wasn't, she wasn't able to, to move into that role for me because at that time as a small child, for me when I look back, 
I'm so happy that that no one got their hands on me that was going to uh, drug me. I am so happy that that didn't happen. Yeah, um, we'll you, be talking about that in a little while. Um, I'll be asking you your views on pharmaceuticals, but you, you know, you've mentioned the thinking moms and you've talked about the determination of these uh, mothers, a mother determined, going to bed with a medical text, knowing more than their pediatrician and becoming vir- virtual MDs, mothers determined. And I think, Christy, and let me know if you agree, that these moms sense that something happened, that this state wasn't natural, that this this condition, this medical condition, which is a medical condition, not um, not relegating it to being a psychiatric condition, um, is an aberration. And um, you're talking about, and the, a lot of these moms are told, just move on to your other kids. You know, institutionalize this one, you know, put them under the rug. They're pretty much for naught. Just move on to your other kids. Concentrate on your other kids. Just like that mom at the Leah conference told you, she was told, just move on to the other twin. Yeah, no, there's, mothers understand that there is something going on here, and they don't know what it is, but they know that they have to find it. And it is a medical condition. And the way that I have understood this, because my own experience, I kept being told it, it, was, it was this thing or that thing. I was given this diagnosis and that diagnosis. But at the end of the day, nobody ever connected any dots around infections or metals or methylation and and I and I use a fourth m in there I call it memories and it's mm. the, the memories that are mine the memories that were my mother's the memories that were you know from people that interacted with I mean all kinds of things but 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 nobody ever mentioned those things to me and so I I always go back in this journey to those things and that's what these moms uh, there's a film that that we're working on. We call it Mom MD, and it it, it started out being medical detective because that was my experience. But then it's really becoming mother determined, and I'm not a mother. So that's the the other the other piece here is I'm not a mother, but I could finally see myself in my journey with these mothers and with the children at the same time. It's it's kind of like I was doing a double dance. I was with the kids going through their experience, understanding what was happening with them, the frustrations that were happening when they couldn't speak it. And at the same time, I was understanding the power of that mother to be able to take this situation into her own hands, the moment when she knows that she has to do that. And for me, by the way, that happened uh, about five years into uh, a very significant turning point in this journey, which is now 18 years of, of real having to deal with it, even though it started at birth. But about five years into that, about 13 years ago, my husband and I had a miscarriage. And that, at that point, I had been dealing five years already, couldn't get answers, couldn't get results, didn't, still didn't know what I was dealing with. But that, at that moment, something in me changed. At that moment, when I had that miscarriage, I knew that something very heavy was going on here, and I had to find it. That, that changed me. That made me say, I now have to take this into my own hands and understand what's happening. 
and that so was a huge turning point. mother at that point, even though you had a miscarriage, um, you're talking about memories, there's still that baby, and speaking of memories, you know, one of my um, son's earlier practitioners uh, who was a, who happened to be an, M, an an MD, a medical doctor, but actually an enlightened medical doctor who became a homeopath because of not wanting to put up with all the politics uh, um, where they had been, um, said, your son remembers what happened to him. And he was actually talking about the vaccine trauma, but your son remembers what happened to him. So there's memories. How would you like it, Christy, if someone said to you, you should, you're not loving yourself. You're not accepting yourself because you're looking for medical answers. You're looking for legitimate physiological answers because moms of kids with autism get told all the time that they're looking for medical ways to improve their children's functionality and health, safety, and happiness in this life is a sign that they're not loving them, that they're not accepting them. What do you think? That, that, that hurts me at my core because I have had that said to me for so, so many times in my own journey. And that, oh, it's, you know, it's this emotional piece or a psychological piece and, and, and being told to disregard my own experience when I have known in my soul, in my gut, in my heart that, that my access to my own emotions my access to, to higher energies, you know, higher powers, higher energy, spirit, whatever that is for someone, that, that I couldn't even access those things if my physiological system wasn't able to connect with it. And, and that was one of the pieces for me that was so amazing. I remember years ago on, on, this, on the journey trying to connect, okay, well, well, maybe I'll just step aside from the physical for a bit and and I'll try more on the energetic or the spiritual side. And I remember doing some meditations. And I would do these meditations. I did it three days in a row. And all of a sudden, three days later, I was literally out of my mind. <laughs> and it, it was an amazing piece that, uh, that here I'm doing these beautiful healing meditations, but they are absolutely jarring my system. And I couldn't figure out what that was about. It took me a long time. My belief today is because with, with the atlas back in place, the ability to have blood flow, I can access energies when I meditate that I couldn't before. Mm-hmm. So that was a really important piece. I call that, for me, I call from cell to soul. There's the physical body and the container. And then there's the energetic and the soul and the spirit and all those pieces. And for me, I had so many people say, just go for the, the soul part. If I just heal that. It must be something wrong with my soul. Like, no, I don't think so. I think my soul's fine. What was happening for me was my body didn't have access to all those things. And so the more I could get my container shored up, the more I could open up the broken or blocked pathways, whether it was in my brain, whether it was dopamine or serotonin or whatever that was, I had access to something that that I knew was there, but I couldn't feel it. I couldn't find it on my own. So I, I believe that, that they go hand in hand, but wow, that physical container, because parents talk about all the time when they do, when they add one thing in, when they do that one thing, and all of a sudden something shifts for that child, and they see it. And, and sometimes nobody else might see it, but that mother, that father, 
or the sibling might see it and might say, hey, did you see what happened over here with, with Johnny or Susie? Did you see that? And they're like, wow, no, I didn't. Let me see. We, we've got to get the children's bodies better. We've got to get our own bodies better. There are children impacted with poop, refluxing poop in their throats, and their parents are being told that they don't love and accept their children if they seek biomedical answers for these, their children who have these heinous, legitimate, painful physiological problems. And there's kids in the public school with autism who are in pain. They yes. are impacted with stool. And what happens is that a behavior plan gets put in place. There are children who are restrained, who are endangered because they're in pain and they can't talk and they're trying to communicate it. That's right. And if their parents try to seek biomedical help for them, they're being told that they don't love and accept their children, and that's just wrong. These it's children wrong. have legitimate physiological issues that can be addressed. Yes, I'm absolutely. That, we will go to break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll be right back with Christy Dane. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for New Reflections, featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. I'm back with Christy Dames, who's a co-founder and partner at Tech Talk Studio. And Christy, a lot of people probably haven't heard about Tech Talk Studio before, so why don't you let us know about that and how people can get in touch with you after the show if they want to. Okay, well, Tech Talk Studio is a company that my husband, Kevin, and I have had for about 14 years. And we work with people and companies, organizations that uh, with speaking programs. So we are very focused on the spoken word and the, and the power and impact that that has. So we work with conferences all over the world 
and speakers, and we help to really bring conversations, the right conversations that need to be heard by people that have thought leadership, information that need to be heard. And so we bring those speakers and we connect them with those conferences and those ideas. So we're very focused in that way. And to, to contact me, my, my email is Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E, at, all one word, techtalkstudio, T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, studio.com. Well, we've alluded so far in this interview to the importance of having accurate information and not having misinformation that would throw a child's potential healing off the path and could, in fact, be detrimental to have misinformation. What do you think about the usefulness or not of a diagnostic label? Well, I think I know for me, I've had several different diagnoses put on me. And there was one when I was in my early 20s, and that diagnosis literally changed the whole course of my life. Because I became that diagnosis. I became now um, signified, and my, my, my signature in life now became this name that I was given, which I, I don't ever even speak to that anymore. Because, because for me, that set up a whole host of, of problems that were going to ensue later on. Because my focus became very narrow. And then pharmaceuticals came into play along the line. And so that was... That was, that was very challenging. And to lose that diagnostic was also really hard. There was a moment in time when I, when I really started to understand and find out what was happening to me where, where that diagnosis never really meant anything. It does in the world of insurance and, and, and getting services and things of that nature. I think that's, that's a whole different animal on that side. The diagnostic for, I heard somebody recently speaking about the challenge of we have a diagnosis, do I tell my, my son or my daughter that this is what they have? And I, I had seen that on a blog. I immediately wrote, no, 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 don't, don't go there. Because where it's necessary and usable and helpful, use it. Where it's not necessary or usable or helpful, don't. Because that way then, uh, in, for me, I could rise up into a, a much greater sense of who I am and how to proceed with things if I knew that that wasn't where I was pegged. It was really important for me to not be labeled in that way. And you all I, I, I definitely agree. And you also mentioned pharmaceuticals. And what are the problems with those? Well, for me, pharmaceuticals were were incredibly damaging. And again, when I was talking about as a child, the different things that happened along the way that would become game changers for me in trying to heal. Pharmaceuticals was a game changer. And when I was 26, I was put on Haldol and then uh, an orphan drug at that time, two years later called ORAP. And then, so those are neuroleptics uh, and psychological agents. So so when I found out later on, I'm being treated with psychological agents for a physiological problem. And, and even for me, what I learned later on, I don't even, in some ways, I, I don't believe that there are mental, emotional 
issues or problems. I believe that there are mental and emotional things that happen as a course of biological problems. Because for me, biologically, I could see when, when, when one, one um, uh, if it was strep or dealing with virus or whatever it was, they had huge emotional implications for me as I was um, taking those things out of my body, huge. And so when I was put on Haldol at that time, it, it was really astounding for me. I was only 26 years old. I was on that set of combinations for 10 years. I took myself off those drugs after 10 years, and, and literally I had what I call a pink cloud, right? That's where you just kind of feel really good that you're not on some, you just feel better. Because I knew intuitively that I needed to not be on them. And, and I took myself off. Six months later, I went into a pain syndrome that I was in for the next 18 years. I mean, it was astounding to me that, that the way I describe it is that Haldol took all the things that had already happened in my, in my life, physical, mental, emotional, whatever that was. And, and if you look at each cell in my body, and, and each cell storing all of those things, whether it's bacteria, metals, memories, whatever that is, it, the Haldol came in and sequestered every single thing into 1% of my cell. So every cell now just has 1% of everything going on because that Haldol took over the other 99%. It was really running the show. And so years later, I would find out that I had mitochondrial damage from being on those medications. Wow. And, and all those uh, related things that happened just from being on the medication. So that, that really, for me, it corrupted my, my healing. It made my healing so much more difficult and so much more challenging because that piece, as I said, was a game changer. So I had to find my way through what had happened from those medications, and then I had to find my way through what had happened before those medications. There was like before my life was split into two pieces, before medication and after. It wasn't even like putting a Band-Aid over a sore and not addressing the sore. It was like putting a dirty rag over a sore. Exactly. Corrupted and, healing. I really like that turn of phrase that you used. And with the autism arena, um, parents are looking for what came first, the chicken or the egg, And but it sounds like mainstream medicine is could be likened to chickens running around with their heads cut off, yeah. not not knowing, <laughs> yeah. not knowing what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, just tossing things at sets of symptoms, and tossing things at symptoms for me never ever ever worked because I I never knew what I was really dealing with. Now, how tossing things at symptoms when I got down to causes and conditions of things and could unpack those combinations, unpack. then it was a different story. This so perfectly, Christy, this is so great. This so perfectly explains things that are going on in autism. So if we get, if we get back to the kid who's impacted with stool, not only is he in pain from that and that's not being addressed, but then he's having this, this pharmaceutical junk thrown at him, which is also causing him distress. So now he has another layer of distress thrown yeah. over him. Well, and, and my, and my belief is too, is that, that this creates Beyond the stress part, it then creates a built-in trauma. Mm -hmm. So trauma, all in traumas, there's dissociation. So I think, I know for me, I would have to dissociate from the pain because 
there, there was no other way to survive that way. So I think many of these children are having to, they have the pain, we, you can see the pain, but then there's a part of them that has to dissociate from it. So it's, it's not like we can just address that physical part too without, almost without even having to address the trauma part of it because those drugs create a separation. They, they, and, and so many things can create a separation. A, a, a teacher saying things that, that can be harmful to the child and the parent can create a dissociation. So many things can bring in a trauma. A doctor or a nurse practitioner, anyone can, can, can say those things or those things happen. So, so much a part of the whole healing is the healing of the family and the healing of the greater system of the, the doctors and practitioners that, you know, I'll tell you what else I love about this autism community by being at your conference last year, which blew my mind, by the way, was the fact that parents, families, um, uh, grandparents of autistic children, doctors, researchers, that they all show up and it's literally like everybody drops at the door they drop anger and ego and all these things, and they come and they roll up their sleeves and they say, okay, here's what I know now. Here's what we're working on. And, and the parents are saying, you know, uh, mothers and fathers who are going the distance on, on, on methylation pathways and meeting the doctor where they it's, – it's, it, the, it is the most beautiful, forward, progressive thing in healthcare that's happening today. So – and all around these children, and, I'm, and, and that's where it has to happen because these children are – the, the beacon of what's happening right now. Well, thank you for, for saying that. And, and you see yourself as a cross-pollinator, too. Yes. Yes. I, you know, part of the, the way that I got right into the autism community was about the same time I got into the cancer community and studied cancer and autism because what happened for me was that I realized that studying just what, I was having and the diagnostic that I had been given wasn't getting me anywhere. But when I looked at other things, then I could start to piece it together. So I studied cancer so I could understand oxidative stress and what was going on there. Because in my family, everyone ends up on the cancer spectrum. And I, and I could not and would not go there. Then I had neurological things. So as autism started to come into my space, and it, only, you know, it started like by ADD and ADHD and and allergies, and then all of a sudden autism arrived. So, so I dove in there, and then I found a whole new world of things. And as a, as a cross-pollinator, and that's what I do in my work across the board, whether it's Tech Talk Studio or helping people uncover some of these complex things and what might be going on, is that, is that sometimes the greatest resource, the greatest information, can come from someone who looks like, they, they would have nothing for you at all. And that's what I love. We had, a, we had a session at a conference last year called South by Southwest, which happens in Austin, Texas. And it was on uh, learning and education. And in that audience was not um, uh, just people focused on learning and education, but there was a whole host of healthcare people. That There was a woman from Kaiser Hospital who said, I don't want to go to other medical uh, and healthcare conferences, said, I'm in those all the time. We can't find our solution over here. I'm coming to a learning session so I can understand how to learn better. 
Good and, point. And it was beautiful. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> the practitioner who wanted to learn. Um, so at the darkest times in your health, Christy, how did you stay on a path of improvement and how can you uh, make an analogy with how autism families can keep it together? At the, at the darkest times for me, there was something, there, there's some, something inside of me, and maybe I just call it my will. I call it that part of me that just won't let me go. Because when it would get at its darkest, it just wouldn't let me quit. And, and the counterpart to that was uh, and is my husband, Kevin, who, who also wouldn't let me quit. So he would hold up that light at the same time. One of the things I know that I look to, I studied every single thing that could possibly give me hope. And, and I would immerse myself in that hopeful place, and it would always give me a nugget. I know in the 12-step, the different kinds of 12-step programs that exist out there, that there's a wonderful, um, the, the beauty about 12 steps is that it's a pathway for, for living. And it's a pathway that says you don't have to follow anything specific. You figure it out as you go. But there's a way to start to, to piece pieces together for, for yourself that, that then can help not just a person but a family then start to find recovery. So that, the, just in the 12-step space alone, there's, there's like breathing out in terms of having recovery. And that's how I look at the autism community because I heard it over and over and over again. It's about recovery. It's about recovery. And so, um, and, then, and then times when, uh, when it was super dark, I, I would go hunting for more information. That my secret sauce, my secret weapon was always going to find one more piece of information, one more insight that somebody has that I don't have. And wow, when I could connect somebody else's insight back to something of my own experience, then I could go off again and again and again and again. And, I, and usually it would be by connecting with another mom. And they would speak to me and say, hey, all these things are going on. I can't figure it out. Can you help? And wow, when I could help and be of service in that way, Wow, I, that, that was like the best relief I could ask for. I, it, it, was, it was amazing. I could ride for days <laughs> without pain just by sharing my own wisdom and information and help with someone um, at the same That, for me, was amazing. Wow, that is really sweet. You're alluding to the future, so can you please tell us about your future directions and what you see as future directions for kids on the spectrum? The, the future directions, I, you know, I think there's a pivot point happening right now, which is very powerful. Uh, healthcare institutions, medical, that whole world that, that is really, because of technology, is, is really crumbling in so many ways. And the, the way the institutions have been set up, the silos that have happened, are literally being called uh, into question and, and people... You know, people like to say patients, and, and I don't. I had a doctor say to me the other day, well, you're the patient. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. I said, I'm your partner. <laughs> it was beautiful. Caught him right off guard. And, and so, so right now, people in healthcare are working to create systems, and technology is disrupting that very thing. Because now you have 
you have at your fingertips more information than you can possibly imagine. The question is being able to discern it and understand it so that it means something for you, and then you can work with that. And, and institutions right now are grappling. They are racing to try to find ways to do that. The autism community has this hands down, has had it for years, because parents in autism can speak medical lingo, can talk about, um, I, I lo- there's nothing more wonderful than hearing a mother talk about methylation cycle to a doctor that doesn't really quite understand what that is. I heard Martha Herbert say, I couldn't even believe that my colleague didn't know that. And it was beautiful. So, so the autism families are really leading the way here, I believe, in terms of how, how conversations, how, how pathways for healing for the children, for families, for the planet as a whole, because of the environmental, environmental and ecological things that are happening that are directly related. Um, the, the time is now for this community to, to keep doing what they're doing even more. And, um, and that's what I see the future, really leading that way, because you all have it. You have it hands down. You've already done it. You've, you've opened the way for other people and institutions to be so uncomfortable that they're having to rise to that occasion, too. For well, me, uh, oh, I'm just going to go ahead. You also have some exciting things to tell us about the conference and and film and design and. Oh yeah, gosh, it's you know I've I've had the honor of working the last ten years with design firms all over the world, and and it it became a specialty of our business. Um, and if you know about the TED conference. Uh, TED conference was technology, education, and design. And funny enough, over all these years, our, our work has really led us down those pathways. So, so there's a couple of things that we're doing. One for Autism One next year, we're doing two tracks. One is going to be on technology and the different technologies that are in place, that are, that are starting to be in place, that are coming out for children on the spectrum that can really, really, really help them in so many ways. So we're going to have a tech track that brings in a lot of the folks here from Silicon Valley that are launching some new and exciting things. Then we're going to have a, we're calling a boot camp for brains, and looking at beyond, looking at the brain from the physical and tactical side. Like what do you need to do? How does autism to Alzheimer's fit in here? How, do, how does that whole parameter work physically, but also the, uh, the consciousness aspect. And the first keynote speaker that we have in that track is a man named Larry Dossey, who is a brilliant uh, medical doctor who has been moving the consciousness needle about the brain. His, his whole take on the brain is, or, or the mind, is it's not the brain. <laughs> and it's so much bigger than that. So Larry's going to be speaking. So we're going to look at how consciousness is, is really shifting this whole paradigm and playing an equal partner, again, that cell-to-soul idea, and how those two work in tandem. So we're working on that. We're working on a film called Mom MD, which is really looking at the, not – we're looking at mothers. And at first it started out to be uh, – really looking at the relationship between moms and their children, but now it's really looking more at the woman, the mother. What's happened to her? 
who she's become, what she's drawn on, the, what she had inside that she never knew she had, and, and how she's changing the game out there in the world on, on every level, for everybody, for, for her and her family, but for, for the whole human species, because these moms are, are moving that needle. And then the design part, of, I call it design for well-beings. And there's a lot of designers out there, lots of organizations. There's a company in Boston called Essential, which is a, a design, uh, it's an industrial design firm that, that makes anything from um, in, industrial solid medical devices to uh, working with strategy and um, understanding how to really take something that's happening um, uh, in, in an organization, in a, in a company, and be able to absolutely skyrocket that innovate beyond what you're seeing. And they've been involved with organizations like MeU Health and uh, WellDoc, really bringing incredible things um, to the forefront in technology through something they call opportunity mapping. So um, working with those folks who are doing amazing things in the healthcare arena, and diabetes care, all kinds of care. So looking at designing, designing the future of what we really want this, this health care to look like. Right. Well, Christy, this has been a fascinating hour, and I want to thank you for sharing your personal journey with listeners and highlighting how all these health issues are legitimate and connected and we can really have an explosion in good information. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. For, for having me on your program today. And, and just thank you and, and, and everybody, all your listeners and all these people and families out there doing what they're doing because it is so inspiring to me because that's when I knew I wasn't alone. So um, thank you because that, that, that holds me and keeps me going. So thanks very much. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're keeping going and, and uh, happy to work with you. And to our listeners, Christy will be speaking in March at the Health Freedom Expo in Long Beach and in May at Autism One in Chicagoland. My guests next week are the wonderful ladies from the National Autism Association talking about their outstanding work on safety issues and about the NAA conference coming up next month, the beautiful, relaxing trade winds hotel in Tampa St. Pete. And to our listeners, Thank you for listening to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.